Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Today's episode is titled, Climbing Down the Holiday Mountain, and our guest is Shannon Yakabachi. Shannon Yakabachi is an FASD educator, certified facilitator, disability advocate, and family coach. Shannon is a foster and adoptive parent with four children diagnosed with FASD. She knows firsthand what daily life is parenting children on the FASD spectrum. She has sought trainings from other leaders within the FASD community to help her and her family understand their unique needs. After an intensive year-long training, Shannon became a certified facilitator for the FACETS neurobehavioral model and has trained thousands of caregivers, foster and adoptive parents, mental health professionals, students, educators, and organizations on FASD. She's currently advocating and beginning the process of setting up FASD trainings for birth families looking to reunify with their children. Shannon believes the more we empower families with the education and tools they need, the less frustration and anxiety they will feel, making family reunification and foster and adoptive placements more successful. Shannon continues to advocate for children and teens with disabilities within the educational system, and she is certified in youth mental health first aid. You can find Shannon at her website, www.diversitydesign.com. Tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet. Anne of Green Gables. I am speaking today with my friend and colleague and two-time guest on FASD Hope. That's how much I like her. She's been on twice and we haven't even been producing our our series for uh, more than three months. So I'm welcoming back Shannon Yakabachi. Shannon, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So let's catch up a little bit. Just Give our audience a reminder about you and what you're doing and diversely designed and all that good stuff. All righty. Okay. So like she said, my name is Shannon and I am a mom of six and four of my six are diagnosed with FASD and they fall along the spectrum in various capacities. I am a FASD trainer, educator, and advocate. I am a FACETS certified facilitator of the neurobehavioral model. I am currently on the board of the Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Network of Southern California, so the FASD Network of Southern California, as well as on the board at FACETS as well. And I have created Um, a company called Diversely Designed, in which, of course, I'm the CEO because I created it, and uh, in which I am training and educating those about neurodiverse um, conditions and how to have positive outcomes for those individuals. 
And at the end of this episode, I will be sharing Shannon's information and how you can get in touch with her. I'm excited about this topic because I think it's so needed. We are airing this at the end of December, um, after the holidays, after Hanukkah, after Christmas, after Kwanzaa. We're calling this episode Climbing Down the Holiday Mountain because we as mamas of kids, young adults with FASD know that the holidays just bring a whole new cornucopia of emotional regulation and ups and downs and all arounds. And we are talking about how to help your kids scale down the mountain versus throwing themselves off the mountain, which often we find. So Shannon, let's talk before we start this conversation. Let's preface this conversation with why is the time period after Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year, such a letdown for anyone? Well, Christmas and the holiday season in and of itself is obviously a really exciting time for everyone. There is such a buildup leading up to these events and it's everywhere. I mean, we start hearing about the holidays before Halloween is even over. And what happens is that commercials come on every channel, the radio stations, all of it begins talking about gift giving and family times together and the holiday sales and all of it. I mean, it is nonstop. So Christmas music starts on some stations even before Thanksgiving happens, right? We all of a sudden we're hearing Christmas music right after Halloween. So there's nearly two months of prepping us for the holidays just in, in the media or in the stores and your shopping. And this creates so much anticipation and anxiety and expectations for that perfect holiday. We see commercials, you know, with all the families getting together and everyone's joyful and it's this fantastic moment. And then it's all over in one day, in one moment, right? It's just gone. So for two months, we're building and building and building, whether we're parents or teachers or the stores, we're just constantly building everyone up for this huge epiphany of a moment. And in a split second, it's done. And we know with our kids and teens and young adults that have an FASD or brain-based diagnosis, we know the transition is so hard. And it sounds like, you know, and I really honestly didn't think about how much buildup there is in the holidays until you're just saying about it. I mean, I know there is, but it seems like it's getting longer and longer. You know, it's starting earlier and earlier. In addition to transitions, which we know our kids have challenges with. What are some of the other reasons that the holiday season can be so dysregulating for kids and teens and adults that have an FASD or another brain-based diagnosis? Well, like I mentioned um, just a moment ago, the buildup and that the expectations. What happens is our children or or teens with a brain base that are you know brain based condition or neurodiverse. Once they're very con- some of them can be very concrete thinkers, and so once something is in their head, to try and remove that from their head or not become fixated on it is a big challenge. So, if they're watching something on the media, then that's their they might come to that expectation of what's going to happen. So 
what happens when that expectation isn't met. Maybe it's something in their head that has to happen, like a certain type of gift that they're supposed to get or a certain type of event that's, you know, it's, well, our family holiday is supposed to be like this. That's what it looks like on TV, something of that sort. So that buildup and that expectation that's in their mind, it can dysregulate them. So that creates a lot of anticipation and a buildup of anxiety in our children and, um, and in our teens. And we may not see it because it's inside and they may even be, you know, physically just on edge because of that. You also mentioned transitions, and that is a huge piece for our kids. Transition changes right now would be school, whether COVID or non-COVID related. Are they engaged on a computer screen? Are they even attending school? Well, usually around the holiday season, there's that break in time. There's that one week or two week span where all of a sudden one day it's cut off. There's parties happening. Maybe there's family parties or school parties different events taking place. And that's not the norm. That's not their day-to-day. It's not a party. Our home environment is changed. Think about what's around us. What do we do when it's Christmas time or a holiday or Thanksgiving? We decorate, right? Sometimes we have to move our furniture. Our home environment is completely different. And we might be baking or creating different foods around the holiday season because traditionally we're used to doing. So there's also sensory overload. And what, like I had mentioned before, the music in the stores, it's constant, it's that it's constantly in the background. The lights are different decorations. Like I mentioned, there's more people everywhere you go because people are shopping for Christmas. People are out that normal trip to either the grocery store or maybe trip to target. I mean, there's more people there and it's, you know, in our, in our world, it's just too people-y. We just can't go. It's just too overwhelming. Um, Then there's those holiday family traditions, right? I mean, there's the Santa or your church services or your food, again, that you're eating, different types of things, you know, that leading to, you know, days of Hanukkah, all of those types of traditions also build that up. And there's just so much to grasp around the holiday season because it's like a funnel. It all comes into this funnel in this one time of year and, and it's hard to sort everything out. And lastly, in my opinion, the different traditions that they hear about from others becomes confusing. So if they're in a school setting and hearing what, you know, Bobby might be doing as opposed to Susie might be doing, then wait a minute, we don't do that. So it becomes confusing for them to grasp everything that's happening around them. And I really can relate to that analogy of a funnel. It's true. You have so much that you're pouring into this short period of time. So I can only imagine how dysregulating it is for a child with a neurodiversity. And that just that image of the funnel and just everything you're pouring into it, the music, the sensory, the food, everything that really stands out. And that really makes you think. We have a mutual friend, Wendy Brown, who is also a facets trainer like you. And she actually did a show in the beginning of this month called Having Peace in the Holidays. And she addresses a lot of things in how to help keep your kids and teens regulated during the holiday season. 
And Wendy has not only been just a, a great mentor for me, but also just a wonderful friend. And a couple of years ago, she gave me this wonderful analogy after the holiday season is over, how it feels like your child is like throwing themselves off a mountain in, in an emotional <laughs> sense, you know, because you have this high and they're on this, you know, emotional high. And like you said, there's so many things happening in foods and gifts and expectations and everything. And then overnight or over a course of a day or two, it's gone and it's back to regular life. And she described it to me as, well, if you're at the top of a mountain and you know everybody's up there and then everybody's down and you're still at the top and you don't know how to climb down for kids that have brain-based diagnoses or neurodiversity, they throw themselves off the mountain because they don't know how to get down. And how we see that throw is usually in the form of meltdowns, just mm-hmm. sensory overload, depressive mood, even things like self-harm. So let's talk about how we can start using that analogy of climbing down the mountain. And some, what are some ways to introduce to parents that concept of, okay, my kid's getting off of this holiday mountain. How can I help them carefully scale down so that they're not just throwing themselves off? Well, for us, one of the things that we try and do, I try, and I emphasize try because it's so easy as a parent to just get caught up in all the things for Christmas. It really is. One of the ways to help is less is best in my, that's one of the things that we like to say less is best. So in other words, keeping the buildup to a minimum as much as I can. So coming down isn't so drastic. I've mentioned a couple of things that I've done in the past. Being prepared is huge because if we as adults are, or the caregivers are prepared for that letdown and we know it's coming, we can emotionally prepare ourselves so that our response to them will be one of calm and understanding, and it won't ruffle our feathers as much when we know it's coming. Okay. But also a way to, to help, like I said, with less is best keeping it um, to a minimum and helping them calm down slowly would possibly be baby steps in slowing down our activity. And what I mean by that is, remember I was saying that, you know, we build up, you know, maybe our food, we might be baking for the neighbors or doing this and that, or making crafts and all this stuff, right? So maybe we start slowing down those activities as the holiday comes, and then maybe continue them a little bit longer after the holiday. Maybe we have them help put away those decorations slowly, signaling it's the end of that season. We can, if possible, drag out the holiday in some fashion. For example, maybe have a few straggling gifts for a few days after. Um, Nothing big, not the ginormous, you know, nothing big. What I'm saying is just something that they unwrap. It could be something as simple as a book, but just something to where that momentum is slowing down at a slower pace. It's not just abruptly over. Again, so that's a slower letdown effect because we tend to build it all up, like I said, to this one day and then we just drop the ball. Okay, we're done. Thank you very much. Go play with your toys. I mean, even 
without a neurodiverse condition, it's hard to suddenly abruptly say, okay, we're done and moving forward, you know, check that off the list. It's hard for us to come down that mountain and imagining those with neurodiverse conditions, it's even harder. So less is best, keeping the buildup to a minimum because they're going to hear about it everywhere else. So if we can control that for us, that's better. Come down slowly in baby steps with activities, decorations, straggling gifts, possibly, or holiday traditions. So that letdown effect is slower. And I am writing this down because this is amazing (laughs) advice, Shannon. This is awesome. And that is especially all of these points resonate with me and thinking about how we've handled Christmas and and holidays in the past. This actually could really be applied not only to the holiday season, but in life in general. You know, if you have a big buildup, say for a birthday or Mm -hmm. some sort of special event, having the event or having the celebration kind of be not as intense in the middle, but kind of, you know, making that bell curve kind of lower a little bit so that they have a nice slow transition into it. And then Mm -hmm. you're celebrating, but you're not overdoing it. And then easing out of the transition of that celebration. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful. I love that transition. Thank you. I I learned it actually from a friend of mine a long time ago. She, and it's funny because she, they celebrate birthday weeks, like in their family. And I, at first laughed, I said, what, what is this? A birthday week? That makes no sense. Why? She explained her reasons why, which had nothing to do with neurodiversity. But as I thought about it, I'm like, that's brilliant. You know, and especially for those of us with neurodiverse children, you can, if you have that birthday week, I mean, it can be something as simple as they get to pick the dinner that one night or that week, you know, so it's just little things that they do to keep that celebration going. And I thought, light bulb, that's genius. So I can't take full credit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's brilliant because it it just totally makes sense, you know, especially when we put on our neurobehavioral investigative hats and and we figure out, oh, well, they always seem to melt down at this point. Again, we can apply that action plan. We can apply those strategies for not only the holidays, but in transitions and in celebrations in general, because we are helping them scale down from that emotional thermostat that's kind of on high or that sensory thermostat that's also on high. So um, those are amazing tips. How else can we as parents, teachers, and caregivers teach not only our children and, and teens, but others how to scale down that mountain of emotional high or dysregulation rather than throwing themselves off the mountain? Are there any other techniques that you recommend? Well, understanding that sometimes our children may process, take longer to process information, we would need to be sure to plan. Definitely planning. Planning, I think, is huge because then we're not caught off guard or we know what to expect, even from our own self. And even in planning that, like I had mentioned before, planning that emotional meltdown, we're prepared for it. And so that if and when it comes, we know what to do. And in planning for it, we're ready. And what if we're able to not have that happen? We've been ready, but it's okay. We didn't have to go into that space. I also would recommend um, communicating it, communicating that with 
your children, those around your children, you know, if teachers are, you know, I mean, they're excited and they want to share the joy with the holiday season with their students, you know, having them be aware of our children's neurodiverse condition and what it creates when certain things happen in the classroom or are stated. Um, it's not going to necessarily, you know, stop everything, but it helps that teacher to be aware and being prepared to repeat the plan over and over again if you need to. I can't tell you how many times I will have asked, you know, be asked a question and I've answered it only for less than 30 minutes later to be asked the same question <laughs> or days into it, you know, just because it just takes time to get that certain things in their minds or for them to comprehend what's happening. Um, so just being prepared to repeat the plan over and over if needed. And visuals can always help because, I mean, even what it, simple visuals, like what have we, what have we done, you know, growing up or, you know, the count, you know, there's a countdown chain, um, those types of things, because they know what's leading up to the holiday, or there's different visuals as far as that we can prepare for our children. So they see what goes when, and they can follow along that quote unquote flow chart basically for them. So they know what's happening and in what order and so that they can prepare themselves and that we stick to that so that if we've created that plan with, you know, especially, you know, like I said, the visuals and that type of thing. So I think that can help. Those strategies can help when we know that processing takes longer for our children and it helps them to, for them to know what's happening so they don't have to jump off the mountain of the holidays, <laughs> climb down. What is it? Jump off the holiday mountain or something? Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. So they can scale down rather than throw right. themselves off of the mountain. Right. Exactly. And, and I'm so glad you're reminding about the processing because that's something we forget to, you know, we, we go into the holidays, we go into Christmas and new years and everything with excitement. And we forget that it's taking them longer to process everything. So mm -hmm. that can also be part of the reason why they may be throwing themselves off the mountain is because they're just still trying to process what happened, you know, in, in the previous yes. week. So yes. I really appreciate this. So when we're talking about extending, you know, and making the introduction of activities and ending the activities and having those few extra special moments to kind of help fade things out, what kind of timeline do you think we're talking about? Like, would you say maybe a couple of weeks after Christmas and after New Year's or how long do you think we should anticipate to use these strategies? I mean, obviously now I'm going to use them year long <laughs> with celebrations <laughs> and whatnot. Now, right. Right. So thinking about after the holiday season, how long should we anticipate using these strategies to help scale down the mountain? Honestly, I think that's going to vary between from family to family based on what that child needs. As parents and caregivers, we all know our children the best and we can read our children and what they need better than anyone, right? So to put an actual timeline on that would probably, I don't think I would be giving you helpful information for an actual like timeline to say, oh, it's this amount of time. Um, because every child is going to respond differently. So I would just say, gauge your child and gauge your energy of <laughs> what you're able to do, you know, and just, just have it, like I had mentioned before, have it planned. And if you need it, 
you use it. And if you don't, then you can, you know, if they climb down that holiday mountain faster without jumping off, then you're good to go. But if you see that they need more time, then, you know, take it if you can, you know, and help them climb down the mountain with them, climb down with them. And as opposed to expecting them to, you know, jump off their own or, climb down on their own if we help them down that mountain with doing these types of activities or things for them I think that's going to be a lot better it's kind of like when we co-regulate it's the same type of thing we're basically holding their hands as they come down that mountain that's fantastic advice let's wrap up no pun intended our discussion (laughs) about climbing down the holiday mountain with a hope takeaway so if you could share something that will give our families and caregivers hope about going on with, you know, we're ending 2020 and we're going on into 2021 and we're slowly climbing down that mountain. We're co-regulating with them. I love that. What's a takeaway that a dose of hope, as I like to say, that you can share with our audience? Well, I think that one of the hope takeaways is honestly in ourselves being prepared, ourselves preparing our families and our children and that, that co-regulating, I think that's going to be a better way that the letdown effect can be less of jumping off the mountain. We're preparing, we're planning on how to detract from jumping or co-regulating or holding their hand as they come out down that mountain by giving them continual items and things to do even past the epiphany moment. And it, and you can have a very enjoyable holiday season and post-holiday season when we do those things. And on that note, we are going to end this wonderful conversation about how to help your child, teen, young adult, Uh, scale down the holiday mountain and ease their way down versus throwing themselves down. So Shannon, thank you so much again for being on FASD Hope. And if you want to get in touch with Shannon, you can reach her on her website, which is diverselydesigned.com. Or you can reach her at Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N, at diversellydesigned.com. And we will have Shannon's contact information as well as her website in our program notes for this episode. Shannon, thank you again for being on FASD Hope. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank and, you. And you know, you'll be back on 2021. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and for those of you out there, thanks for listening. And we hope you have a happy and healthy 2021. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember, to be informed, take care, and always have hope.